0: Church, let me tell you one of the most important things that we can do in this life, if not the most important thing we can do in this life, is simply figure out who Jesus is. To know who Jesus is, to seek him, to study him, is the most important thing. It's one of the only things that will last from this life into the next. And so by that, one of the most important things that a church can do together, especially a church that is reforming itself, is to figure out together who Jesus is. And so with that in mind, we're going to be getting the Gospel of, Luke, of Mark today, not Luke, Mark. <laughs> the Gospel of Mark, I gave you a heads up on that last week, and if you started reading ahead, chances are you got ahead of yourself. Because we are going to read no farther than Mark 1, verse 1 today. (laughs) Some of you probably got really excited and read through the whole book, I hope. Some of you may have made it through a few chapters or the one chapter or at least the first paragraph. Some of you didn't do that at all because you weren't here and you had no idea we were doing Mark this week. And that's fine as well, but I'd encourage you... Mark's one of those books or one of these books that that we really can just kind of plow through. Give yourself an hour and a half on a a single day this week or 10 minutes every day this week, and and you'll probably get through most, if not all, of the book. It's good to see where we're going to be going all the way through. For very few of us, Mark is our favorite of the Gospels. Some of us love the book of John. All of the theology and the commentary and the spirituality that you find there. Some of us love the book of Matthew, which is full of the Jewish proofs of Jesus. You can trace the, the story of Jesus going all the way back to the Old Testament as you study through the book of Mar- or Matthew. Some of us love that. Some of us love the book of Luke with all of the contextualizing as Luke takes a very Jewish gospel and presents it to a very Gentile, very Greek people. Mark, for some of us, though, was the first book we were told to read when we became Christians. Anybody? Uh, None of us. Mark is often the forgotten gospel. Because we love what's in some of the others. But I will tell you, one of the reasons to love the book of Mark is because it really just gets to a simple, straightforward story of Jesus. It's the shortest of all of them, though it has as many stories as the rest of them. Mark is a masterful storyteller. He doesn't waste any extra time on anything else. He doesn't branch off. He doesn't get distracted in other things. He has one goal, and this is a goal worthy of any writer, and particularly any reader, and that is to simply say, this is who Jesus is. Mark is most likely influenced by the disciple Peter. It's good to know that because Peter is kind of crazy. When you read his story throughout all of the Gospels, what you encounter is probably the most sensational of all of the disciples, right? He is always living at the edges of of his faith and his understanding. He's the guy who asks Jesus to let him out onto the water. And while he's out on walking on the water, he forgets and gets fearful and sinks Right, he goes from like the coolest experience ever to the most terrifying experience ever in the course of seconds. And of course, Jesus is there to rescue them. Peter is also the guy who, in one moment, declares for the first time ever who Jesus is that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. Jesus praises him, and moments later says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Peter is also the guy that in the garden right before Jesus was arrested, pulls his sword out and cuts a guy's ear off. See, Peter is the guy who lives at the extremes. And I will just tell you, I believe his personality is all over this gospel. Mark may have written it, but it seems to me that Peter is the one that shared the stories that Mark would write. Like I said earlier, our verse today, our one single verse that we're going to look at. And to be honest, we're only going to spend a little time in this verse. What I want us to do today is kind of get a big picture of the book of Mark. We're going to look at some other scriptures. But the one scripture that I want us to land in is the one purpose of Mark in this. And it is verse 1-1. Mark writes, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let me see it again. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. What I want us to see is the simplicity of this, especially for Mark, who was writing most likely before any of the other gospel writers as well. When we talk about the gospel, we often get to theology and understanding our our thinking goes beyond. But for Mark, he's really simple when he says the gospel, he means good news. And when he says of Jesus Christ, it literally means the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of him coming, the son of God and what that would mean for humanity. We're going to come back to this a lot. I believe Mark is just simple. And I love that. Last year, a year and a half ago or so, I had the opportunity to preach all the way through the book of John. It was hard. <laughs> there are passages to John that you've got to sit there and study and study and look at. And examine, and if you don't do that in a community of people, you can find yourself getting off some weird places. But Mark, honestly, is the book that any new believer should just read on their own. Because Mark's endeavor is simply to present Jesus unadulterated, uncomplicated, clear, and simple. What I'm calling in this study, this series, Only Jesus. What we're going to do today is look at a few, really one specific theme that branches out into many. So that as we read through this, and you read through it on your own, I hope, and as we read through it together on Sunday mornings, we might have a a groundwork, a framework for doing this together. One of the primary themes, and this, like I said, leads into other themes throughout the book, is the theme of urgency. There is an urgency in the book of Mark, you will not find another biblical book with as many action and timeline words as the book of Mark. Here's just a really quick spattering: verse one or chapter one, verse ten. It says, "When he came up out of the water, this is at his baptism. Immediately, he saw the heavens being torn open." A couple verses later, uh, chapter one, verse twelve. It says, "The Spirit immediately drove him out into." The wilderness, a few verses later, chapter one, verse 18, it says, and immediately they, the disciples, left their nets. Just a couple verses again later, chapter one, verse 20, it says, and immediately he, Jesus, called them. Like these uses of immediate, Mark uses this word 41 times in his short gospel. Let me just say, Jesus has places to be and things to do. And that's Mark's point. Along with that, many of Mark's stories are shorter versions of what Matthew and Luke tell. We may rightly begin to get the idea that Mark's gospel should be read with an intended urgency. In fact, I would say if you manage to read the entire book from beginning to end without some level of anxiety, then you're doing it wrong. Because the entire book just pushes you through the text in such a way that you should be picking up on the same emotion and feelings of a rush. There is an urgency. Now, what I want to say is that that urgency is not just urgency for the sake of urgency, right? It's not just a a push, a timeline push because Mark's trying to push an agenda. No, Mark's urgency is rooted in Jesus's urgency. And that's what we want to focus on at this point. See, that urgency isn't just for the sake of urgency. That urgency is rooted in a number of things we're going to see throughout this book. And so this is a great way to begin looking at the overall picture of this book. We're going to look at a number of these. The first one is urgency rooted in brokenness and lostness. Jesus has an urgency. Mark, as the writer here, Peter, I think, is the source of this, has an urgency. And it's a concern for the brokenness and the lostness of his day. We're going to see that in a number of ways. The first is through demons and evil spirits. At this point, we as modern readers need to pause. We need to think. We need to grapple a little bit with the encounters we're going to read about in this book. Even if we accept these demonic stories as true, which, by the way, I think we should, we may need to recognize that even as we believe them, we have been pre-programmed by a secular culture to more or less dismiss them or minimize them. But let me tell you, if you read through the book of Mark... You will not see a minimization of these stories and these encounters. In fact, in the book of Mark, the encounters with the demonic are longer in every case than they are in every other one of the Gospels. Jesus takes seriously the encounter with evil. They demonstrate a brokenness that is beyond for most of us. Many of our experience, praise God. But let me tell you, this is not beyond the experience of the church and missions in many parts of the world today. Nor is it apart from the experience of some of us in this room who have experienced not only outward attack from the demonic, scary, real, literal things. Jesus not only casts out demons, but he has conversations with them, brief but powerful conversations. Chapter one, verse 23 says, immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Are you someone who reads that and gets excited about the power of God? Or are you someone that hears that or reads that and immediately says, no, they were just schizophrenic. Let me tell you, Mark and Jesus Took seriously these encounters, not only encounters with the demonic, but in the book of Mark, we're going to see all kinds of other brokenness, encounters with illness, disease. What we see in the book of Mark is more detailed, jumping from one of these stories to another. It is clear in this gospel that things are not right in the world. Amen. And let me just say, we should see that in our own world today. We don't live in a world that is that dissimilar to the world that Mark is writing of, that Jesus walked in. There is brokenness all around us. What we see in the book of Mark is that these things are counter to the kingdom. And as Jesus confronts them, it is clear that the general pain, the general hurt, the general helplessness of these situations leads to an urgency urgency but not only the demonic and not only the illness and the brokenness of disease but what we also see and encounter the brokenness of what we can call the religiosity of Jesus' opponents Jesus spends a lot of time talking to people in this book who think they have it all figured out but have nothing figured out they are apart from God they are alone And not only that, they're leading others who would follow them into darkness. What we see in the book of Mark and what we will see over and over and over again is an urgency over the lostness and the brokenness of this world. And that leads me to look at my own life. And and I think it should make all of us look at our own lives and, and ask the question, does the lostness and the brokenness of this world lead us to an urgency? It led Jesus to an urgency. It led the disciples to an urgency. Does it lead us to an urgency or does it lead us to a Facebook rant or a water cooler argument? Does the lostness that we see, the experience of illness and disease, pain, suffering, sorrow, poverty, outright sin, families falling apart. Does this lead us to an urgency? the way it does Jesus All right here's the second thing that we see an urgency of in the gospel of Mark and that is an urgency in the power of God We tell you there would be no urgency towards brokenness if Jesus could not or would not do anything about that brokenness there's an urgency to the power of God. Mark's gospel is full of the simple and the plain view the power of Jesus Christ over every sin and over every sin effect in this world I'll tell you one of the ways that I read the book of Mark is like an old Batman comic Can you picture that <laughs> Bam Wham right Pow right you read the book of Mark and you get this idea that That something's happening. And that something is the power of God over sin in this world. It's the power of God over the vague sin in this world. And it's the power of God over the individual specific sin and brokenness of individual people. There is an urgency to the power of God. And that's a good thing because it's the power of God that responds to the urgency of brokenness. You see that power of God in healing the casting out of demons and of drawing broken people to himself, people like you and I. Mark's gospel is full of the simple and the plain view of the power of Jesus Christ over sin and darkness and every enemy of the faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you have an urgency to the power of God? Let me ask it this way. If you had a superpower, would you hesitate to use it? If you could leap over tall buildings or run through a fire and not be burned or I don't know, whatever else it might be. We all think about this in some way or another. Would you say, you know what? I'm not gonna do that today. See, there's an urgency in the power of God that Christ is capable and in him we through the Spirit in our lives, are also capable and powerful as far as fighting the sin of this world. Do we have an urgency of the power of God in us? Right, the third urgency we see in the book of Mark is an urgency of eschatology. Some of you are saying, what is that? <laughs> eschatology? It's a big word. You don't need to remember what it is, but you can. And it's simply this. It's the theology, the part of the understanding of theology and the way that God works concerning death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and of humankind. In short, eschatology is a study of the end times, which really freaks some of us out and excite others of us. And it is a study of what happens to the soul when we die, heaven, hell, nothing. And what we see in the book of Mark is an urgency in eschatology. Mark is concerned with where we are all going to end up. And that should not surprise us. The earliest Christians were absolutely convinced that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Do you know why that matters? Because their conviction that he would return in their lifetime meant there was an urgency to tell people about him. To go out into the streets and proclaim the gospel. They got this idea from Jesus himself, who constantly in his parables teaches us that we should be ready at any moment for his return. The thing is, if you look at the history of the world, those Christians who were absolutely convinced Jesus was going to show up in their lifetime were those Christians that made the most difference in this world while they waited for Jesus to come. You look at the generation of the earliest disciples, the first 11, which then passes off into Mark and into Paul and and those who would come and you do not see a greater movement of God in the history of the world apart from that season. And it is because they had an urgency. They believed time was short. Now, I have no idea when Jesus is going to return. And I will tell you, if you ever meet somebody who knows when Jesus is going to return, just walk away from them. Leave them behind. Because Jesus says really clearly, Nobody knows. He even says, nobody knows, not even me. But we should know that it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen next week. We don't know. Some of us spend so much time looking at the signs and the times and making predictions that we become no earthly value when all of that was meant to make us of every earthly value, an urgency to those who don't yet know Christ and to live ourselves as his disciples. There is an urgency. There is an urgency to the eschatology. It's a big word. Next up, we see in the book of Mark an urgency in the purpose of Christ. Christ. An urgency in the purpose of Christ. This is often tied, if you've been in churches a long time, you've heard a sermon series on the book of Mark um, to what is often called the messianic secret of the book of Mark. Anybody ever hear that before? A couple? A couple of our older time Baptists have. (laughs) The messianic secret in the book of Mark. There's a stunning feature all the way through the book of Mark and you, you should be stunned by it every time you read about it. Jesus works a miracle, and the next words out of his mouth is, shh, don't tell anybody. Right? We already saw the one example with the demon, when, when he's casting the demon. The demon's proclaiming who he is, and Jesus says, quiet you, and come out. Mark 1, 43-43, Jesus sternly charged him, this being a man he had just healed, And sent him away at once. He said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him in every quarter. See, this thing happens in the book of Mark and you see it over and over again. It is the most... Unfollowed command of Christ ever recorded in the history of scripture. Every person he says to, don't say anything, immediately goes out and tells everybody. And it causes big problems for him, right? Because everybody wants to be healed. Everybody wants a miracle. Everybody wants to see this. And it actually tells us here at the very beginning of the book of Mark that it resulted in him not even being able to walk freely through towns. But even in the desolate places, he still has crowds following him. He tells demons to be quiet because they know who he is and he is not ready for the world to yet know who he is. He performs miracles and he says, don't tell anyone because he needs to get to where he's going with as little distraction as possible. And the stunning thing that, about this is that Jesus never once criticizes those for doing so. See, he has an urgency in his purpose and his grand purpose is what? To get to the cross to die for the sins of humanity. He is marching every day of his ministry straight towards that goal. He knows how painful it is. He knows how awful it's going to be. And he set his eyes on it. And everything else is interesting. It's a distraction to that, except that Jesus never treats it that way. You do not find a story where somebody who comes to Jesus and asks for healing, and he says, no, sorry, I don't have time for you. Because Jesus' grand purpose may be the saving of sinners and making them into saints. But his mission is people. It's humanity. It's loving the lost. There is an urgency in the purpose of Christ. And so even as we read through those stories and we say, Jesus, why wouldn't you want everybody to know who you are? We can know that his eyes were fixed on the cross, but he continued to let every brokenness, every sin, every poverty, every hurt, every heartache that came to him, every person, and he loved them and he cared for them and he had time for them. There's an urgency in the purpose. Finally, we come to an urgency that is rooted in the gospel. And this brings us back to our verse one. There is an urgency rooted in the gospel. I've already said this. The gospel for Mark is the simple and clear story of Jesus coming, living and dying that we can be. Saved. It is the clear and straight telling of that life. And for Mark, there is an urgency in communicating the gospel clearly and plainly so that anybody who might read it will understand and know who Jesus is. Now, I'm a theology guy. It's why I love the book of John. I go to the book of John, and there's this theology all over it. There's understanding beyond the story. There's, there's editorial. John, John makes more editorial about the story of Jesus than anybody else. Mark doesn't do that. Mark approaches the text, and he, he writes it as straightforward as he can. Jesus did this. Then Jesus did this. Then Jesus did this. Jesus said this. Jesus communicated this. Right. Mark just goes straight forward in that. Why? Because Mark knows that we are not saved by right theology. We are saved by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you, the theology probably will come in right relationship to Jesus Christ. But it starts with a relationship, and a relationship starts with knowing really well the one we're in community with. Mark's goal. The entire goal of his entire book is to say, look, people, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Don't miss him. Don't miss who he is. Don't miss what he did. And what I love about that is that as we think about it, this is the Jesus that the disciples knew. Right? The disciples didn't have the theology down. They didn't have the extended studies down. Right? They hadn't studied the Old Testament into who Jesus was. and They didn't have all those details. All they did for three years was meet and connect with a little bit more of Jesus Christ. They walked with him. They spent time with him. They hung out with him. The Jesus that we meet in the book of Mark is the Jesus the disciples knew before they knew anything else before they became theologians and church planters and pastors and missionaries and apologists and all these other big words that we can throw out, the Jesus of Mark is the mark that we need to know before we become anything else. And I want to tell you, there is an urgency in that. We live in a world right now that does not know who Jesus is. Man, the things people say about who they think Jesus is because of a TV show or a movie or a book they read or a Facebook post. They've got no idea who Jesus is. But if they would just know the Jesus that that we see in the book of Mark, the Jesus that I pray every one of us in this room would know, it would make all the difference. Let me ask you, do you have an urgency that the people around you would just know Jesus? Not the Baptist Jesus, not the Protestant Jesus, not the Jesus of, you know, whatever culture or whatever framework, but just Jesus. Do we have an urgency to that? To not let all the other stuff get in the way? But to let that stuff come and go as it needs to, that somebody might be saved. Look, here's what I know. I know that for some of us, we might be sitting here right now in this room and we're just actually trying to figure out who this Jesus is. For some of us, that we've been raised in the church. We've been in the seats, the pews for decades or generations. We've been here forever. And we're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. We know a lot about him, but we never actually encountered him. Others of us in this room might be sitting here right now and trying to figure out who Jesus is and going, man, I don't even know where to start.
1: The only thing I know about
0: Jesus is that TV show called The Chosen that some people love and some people hate. The book of Mark's a great place for you to start because it strips away the extra. and It just says Jesus. Only Jesus. Here he is. Mark shows us that Jesus. For some of us, on the other hand, though, we're not trying to figure out who Jesus is. We figured that out. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now we're trying to figure out who the heck we are because of who Jesus is. And this is always what should happen. Like, if you believe. That Jesus is the son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the savior, it means something for you. It means that you cannot be the same person tomorrow as you were yesterday. Because the Jesus we read about in the book of Mark is a Jesus that demands all of us, not a part of us. Not an hour on Sunday morning and a couple times during the week. And so we're all given a gift by the book of Mark because we get to see Jesus and whether we're just trying to figure him out or we're trying to figure out who we are, what we see and what we will get through this study of the book of Mark is a picture of who we should be because of him. The disciples that are called and sent, those who have an urgency, an urgency for the lost, an urgency for the brokenness in this world, an urgency to see the power of God work in this world, an urgency to see the glory of God in all things all the way through the end times, an urgency of the gospel. And that's my prayer for us as we would introduce the book of Mark, an invitation to you. And maybe this is an invitation to your neighbor that you need to make or a family member that you need to make or that person on Facebook you're always arguing with Just say, hey, come and just meet Jesus. Come and and see who Jesus is. That's what we're gonna be doing at our church for the next like year and a half. I don't know how long it's gonna take us to get through the book of Mark, but a year and a half is probably about right. (laughs) Just come, come and meet Jesus. Meet the Jesus that I've met. Meet the Jesus that saved me. Meet the Jesus who can save you no matter who you are. Would you pray with me? God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in us. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us. And I pray that we study this book together, that we would just see Jesus and that we would love Jesus, we'd adore Jesus, we'd worship Jesus. I pray you'd help us to keep the first things first in all of this, Lord, and and that we would get excited about what it means for us because of who you are, Lord, and what you've done and how you did it So Lord, I pray that you would work in power in us and lead us, God. I also pray if there's anyone in this room right now who does not know you, who's never given their life to you, maybe the first step for them is just to say, Jesus, I want to know who you are. I, I can't make a decision to follow you until I know who you are. Maybe that's the first step, Lord. I pray your spirit would lead that prayer in this time.
1: If there's anyone who's
0: who's discovered or discovering, Lord, and they're ready to just jump in and and offer their life up to you, Lord. I pray that today would be the day they would make a decision to follow you, that you would work in that, your spirit would lead, and you would draw a new believer into being saved and community, communion, relationship with you. God, we thank you so much for all that you do, and we turn to you, Lord, for your goodness and for your glory. Amen.